I'll, I, I know what you guys look like, so I can just imagine. <laughs> just... Welcome to Fired Up Podcast. I'm Andrew Hopple. I'm Cameron Hewitt. And third person in the seat today is... Is that where I come in? Yep. Zach yeah. <laughs> uh, Langelo. We got Zach. We got Coach Zach here hanging out with us, everybody. Welcome to the Fired Up Podcast. Episode 75, I believe, is the one that we have today. Uh, well, So... Really quick for the Fired Up Podcast, if this is your first episode that you uh, are joining in for, this is a fitness-based podcast. Cam and I talk about a number of different things, but everything is kind of roped back into fitness because those are the training principles that we have um, applied to our lives through the podcast. So welcome, everybody. What is going on today? Besides the quick 20-minute dramatic episode of trying to connect with Cam via camera, which <laughs> eventually failed... Yeah. How, how are we doing on this uh, fine Sunday morning, Then I was doing good until I got uh, absolutely really? socially crucified for not being able <laughs> to turn my camera on, which is actually weird because I didn't do anything to make it go off. But I think well, I guess, I guess <laughs> it's actually full of shit. Um, this, this is just like a big prank. Like, it's just a shitty prank that Cam is like <laughs> not even executing well. Yeah. <laughs> He's over there. He can actually like figure it out, but he's just laughing. He's like an inside <laughs> joke with himself. He's like, "This is gonna mess with Andrew for a whole week, dude. He's, <laughs> gonna, <laughs> he's gonna have the worst Sunday ever." <laughs> no, no, we'll be fine. So what's uh, let's let's kind of dive in right away, so we can actually introduce Zach for those of you who don't know who Zach is. Uh, Zach, what would you describe yourself as? Oh my god, that's a horrible <laughs> question to start it off. Uh, please give uh, three characteristics <laughs> to describe yourself. <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, I introduced you as Coach Zach, so. Yeah, I would say, I mean, coach, personal trainer. Um, Model, entrepreneur. <laughs> as Cam said, skater boy. Skater, skater boy. boy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that put me over the edge. I almost left the country for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I like to uh, – I guess I can consider myself personal trainer coach. I've been personal training. I would definitely say there's a difference between the two, but um, personal training for like three years now, coaching a little bit under, I would say a year from like Orange Theory and Eat the Frog and then a little bit of uh, kind of uh, sports in the sense of like my old high school. Um, I helped out a little bit and uh, – I work a little bit at uh, M14 Hoops. It's like a AAU team. So a little bit of everything. Dude, Dude I know you were a baller. No. <laughs> is AAU, that's like um, that's like essentially like the, the club version of basketball where it's like if you're going to go into the NBA, you kind of have to do AAU, right? It, yeah, it's like travel. Like if you play travel baseball, it's just travel basketball. Oh, okay. Have, have you ever, like admitting or not admitting people based off of AAU background? Have you guys seen the movie or the documentary uh, Trophy Kids? No. Oh, do okay. So it's a it's a Chris Bell documentary. And it's about AAU basketball, and so and it's about like we're about like the parents who are like like vicariously living through their children. <laughs> and they're they are all so they go over um oh what's that one basketball family like the Lamal Ball, Ball yes they, yeah. so they go over that family a little bit and there's this other guy he's like yeah I've probably put like three Ferraris worth of money into my 
my kids like basketball career or whatever. And they're just like insane. And I feel so bad for the kids, except I mean, I guess a lot of them end up joining the NBA and it all, it all works out, but it's some, there's some weird stuff that parents are willing to do. Just out of curiosity, do you ever come across like parents who are maybe like a little too into their kid's basketball career? I feel like that's like that with every sport. Like I played travel, travel baseball all growing up. Um, and you see it all the time with, with parents just like either arguing with coaches to get their kid playing time because like quote unquote, the, the coach's son is the starting shortstop or starting quarterback or whatever sport they play. But, um, yeah, I like, I was fortunate enough to see that like my parents didn't live through the sport. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wow. I could totally see myself being one of those parents one day. <laughs> well, what was it? No, I just be. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I, I'd probably just be super hardcore on my kids, and I'd be like, "Listen, like if you're not playing, this is your fault. This is not like. How are you not hitting the ball? It's on a tee. <laughs> They're like four years old. <laughs> and wow, that's a that's them. a curveball. Right. I'm like, all right, um, now we're going to, after dinner, we're going to just practice for the next four hours before bed. Right. Um, so I guess speaking of like sports, is that how you essentially got into like working out and fitness in general or where did it, where did it all start for you? Um, all right. So yes and no. Um, it was me being kind of stupid with, with my training and lifting. Well, I wouldn't even consider it training, um, working out. And then just uh, with baseball. So basically, would it be 17? Yeah, like junior year of high school, I figured out what a barbell was. So I started (laughs) working out and... um, Walked right into one. (laughs) Hit me in the forehead. No. Um, Basically, what I could say is I didn't know that there was such thing as like beginner gains or like novice gains, like just like your body adapting to the training. And I thought I was just like knew everything and I was just (laughs) progressing with everything, but I didn't really like kind of regulate my fatigue level. So, um, basically I was deadlifting way too heavy, way too often. And then a combination of just my like erector muscles, like, like low back, like L5 area just was way too overactive and then the rotating from baseball with pitching and hitting i uh basically had two stress fractures in my low back my l5 no way what so i was i want like i can't like say i was borderline paralyzed for six months but like let's just say like my friends and family had to help me put socks on and like shoes on because i physically could not bend over to a certain degree to touch my toes wow so that's insane dude. yeah so it was like that for six months um i remember exactly we were on a spring baseball trip for high school and i was in bed like we were supposed to be getting ready to go to like our first game we were down in st louis and i was in bed and i was supposed to pitch that day and my coach comes in, he's like, how you feeling? Cause he knew about it. Like my back was acting up and I literally needed help. He had to help me get out of bed. The wow. next day 
I was in a, <laughs> I had swimsuit on, but I was in the hotel bathtub trying to like loosen up my back with like the as hot as I could go water. And he comes in, he's like, you good to go? I'm like, no. Like, so then I eventually got an MRI and stress fracture. And it was like that for wow. about six months. And how painful was, was that stress fracture? Like, how did that feel? It felt like it wasn't so much the, the actual like stress fracture. It was all the, so basically my hamstrings and my glutes, my glutes and hamstrings were weak. Like they were just mm. not as strong. Like I was, I'm very quad dominant. So like they weren't as strong. That's why I was deadlifting. But I, I also like didn't do like supplementary, like, like accessory exercises to kind of aid it. And like, obviously get more work in, but like reduce, like not as high as a fatigue. Um, yeah. So basically it was just like my erector spinae muscles and my glutes were just so overactive and like nothing was like firing, like, like in unison. So basically my kind of back just locked up and like physically could not rotate, bend, like, extend my spine for a good six months so you just went straight to 65 like exactly no borderline, <laughs> like, give me a cane like i need a wheelchair dude i bet any type of back oh. thing just kind of debilitates you so much yeah. when you're talking about like rotation or, or moving like i pulled my i tweaked my back just doing heavy rack pulls the other mm -hmm. day or like the other week and I just would lay in bed and I'm like, man, I can't breathe. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Yeah. You like as stupid as it sounds, you don't realize how important your back is until you hurt it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, just simply grabbing, like simply moving slightly to grab the remote next to you on the couch. Like mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter. Raising your arm. You can feel that upper back, you mm -hmm. know, activate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So like being in high school, like, and now you essentially can't, <laughs> you like can't move really for six mm -hmm. months. So this was going in, this was going in like your senior year of high school. Is that right? Yeah, it was the June, it was spring to, so I graduated high school in 2016. So this was spring 2015 to like summer 2015. So it was like peak, like recruiting for like college it was the worst time what? <laughs> so what so i guess like two questions like mentally what was it like because i mean i just imagined going from being you know an athlete and you probably have like hopes of playing in college and all that stuff and mm -hmm. then during that like really important time when you should be <laughs> like hopefully performing your best and there's probably like collegiate scouts that are you know looking for good players and and you can't even put your socks on what is I mean just mentally like what was that like for you well I guess like the time that I, I legit thought I was done like I thought I did something to a disc um of course that you get like multiple kind of um exams and from multiple different doctors and they say one says oh disc one says oh no blah 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 you're you're fine the other says something did like totally like three different opinions and so i was at a showcase and i was like i need to show my face at the showcase there's at least 50 schools behind home plate like i need to pitch i need to do something just get my face out there and i in high school i sat probably 
82, 83 miles per hour off the mound. And at the showcase, I didn't hit above 72. Hmm. So I was, when I saw like, and there was a like fat number, like radar, like right behind home plate. When I saw 72, I'm like, yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's like, this is my last year. <laughs> like I'd be so, so fortunate for a school to call. But um, luckily someone did eventually. Wow. Yeah. So you uh, kind of jump into what is your fitness career looked like, uh, your professional fitness career? Because I know we briefly went over it. Because um, you've been you've been working, you've worked at a couple of different places. I've yeah, I've had a few been, different roles. Yeah, I've been <laughs> I've been everywhere. Like, so I quit baseball my sophomore year of college. I was just spending way too much time. Um, I have been, so that back in long story short, that back injury ended up not shutting down my career. I ended up like, was, like, I was overplayed and overused my freshman year of college. And I ended up like getting a arm injury, my UCL and my elbow doubled in size. Um, for example, like when you throw, I don't know how familiar you guys are with like off season baseball, but like when you do bullpens in the off season in the winter, you max maybe throw 40 to 50 pitches once a week. And then another time during the week, maybe you'll throw like 20, like flat ground, like very low intensity. We were throwing like 30 very low intensity and then like 90 pitch bullpens. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so we were like. Uh, Your body was just being tested yeah. across, like <laughs> against yeah, the pavement. I, yeah, it, was, it wasn't the smartest programming, um, which was unfortunate, but. So I quit baseball sophomore year and was approached in like just a local gym. It was called the Wheaton Sports Center. Uh, not it was, it is. It's still um, in business. But um, the head of the fitness department just asked me if um, I, he, he noticed that like I wasn't like a complete idiot around <laughs> around weights. So he's like, are you working? Are you like, what, what are you interested in? And he's like, He's like, give me a resume and then um, we'll set up a job interview. And that was just like basically for a job, not personal training, but job like pushing towels, cleaning, like the, like the basic stuff to just get you familiar with um, yeah. with the gym. So I did that. And then um, in this gym, you have to have – their rule was you have to have a college degree to start personal training. So um, – I like pushed and pushed and pushed to um, basically let them like let them let me personal train. So I was actually the first I passed my exam way faster than they thought. And I was actually the first kid without a a college degree or personal training degree because there's like personal training schools um, to personal train at this gym, which was pretty cool. Um, so you're saying you're stating that you got your certification. Yeah. So like they hired me in like December of 2017. I was like the fitness quote unquote fitness specialist pushing towels and cleaning and helping members until September of 2018. And, um, I was pushing them to let me personal train like August of 2018 so in like a month I got my uh my NASM at the time and then they eventually let me start personal training which was a nice kind of 
yeah. starting job for sure. Okay. So you train over at Wheaton Sports Center for how long? About a year. About a and year. And how was that experience? It was good, but like, I guess you could say like the grind at like, like a lifetime or export it's it is the definition is a grind like i had a buddy that worked there that would legit be there at 5 a.m to 5 p.m and like have little breaks in between clients and either group classes whatever he was doing and i was like dude i don't know how you six days a week because he he would do saturdays maybe not 12 hours but an yeah. eight or 10 hour day like i don't know how you do that so I eventually started looking for more like structure, I guess you could say. Um, and this is just a learning process, obviously, like getting in and like thinking, oh, it's going to be great. Um, so then I started looking for another, like another opportunity and a family friend uh, was a chiropractor and he was looking to expand. Um, so then I started talking to him a little bit. And so then I, I started working for this chiropractor, which I did obviously the personal training side of his business. People can come wow. see him and then they can come see me and get a little workout in. Um, so it, it was a little hit or miss and not as regularly scheduled. So we were trying to build that up so I can actually build some sort of a schedule for these mm -hmm. people instead of them just like uh, him coming in and be like, Oh yeah. Uh, Susie wants to work out today and then I do have to come up with some intelligent program not even knowing. Yeah, right. That's so, see, that's that's what gets me is like, where's the programming at for this? Where is yeah. the and like lay people, they don't understand all you simpletons out there. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most people don't understand that you need some type of structure yeah. to a training program. It, you know, if you just go in and work out, mm -hmm. you know, just get your workout and get your exercise in, like, yeah, you can see some progress. But how much progress can you really the, the diminishing returns on that mm -hmm. versus a, a proper program or a thought out plan ahead? Mm -hmm. How much of a difference do you feel like that is? I feel like there is a time and a place for what uh, I would say ninety percent of the time it should be thought out and and planned and intelligently like programmed. But then there's there is that ten percent that like oh you're out of town you're you you're short on time obviously where you could still do something like it like say you just want to breathe heavy or you just want to break a sweat and just get something done and like mentally feel good but you should not kill yourself like like the like the intensity should be brought down like fatigue should be under control like if i'm at a hotel i shouldn't be doing something if i'm like if i'm normally training uh, like powerlifting based, like, like volume may not be as high as per se bodybuilding, obviously volumes a lot higher. Um, yeah. so if I'm normally training squat bench deadlift and I'm in say week two of my programming and I only have 15 to 20 reps of volume for that day for say squatting and bench, but then I'm at a hotel like on vacation and then all of a sudden you do like 150 reps on the on their smith machine bench press like of course you're gonna be fried your chest is gonna hurt like it's not yeah. intelligent like if you're gonna be away and you need to do something like be smart about it like do stuff that isn't as fatiguing because your body is not 
used to that volume. It's just not smart. So I think if you don't have a plan, just still be smart with like what your previous training has been like. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Cam, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people are probably in that zone where it's like they've gone through periods where, and I feel like most of the time it's probably through sports where it was really structured and like the goal was defined and everything was just kind of in place. And then they, you know, then they tried doing it themselves and they're like, okay, well, I don't really know what to do. I think like what you said at the end there, Zach, makes a lot of sense where it's like, well, take what you're familiar with and kind of start there. And, you know, you don't need to start just crushing yourself instantly because if you have a, if you have someone who's just getting back into fitness or working out, whatever, and, you know, they do like what you said were on that Smith machine, they just decided, you know, crank out over like a hundred reps throughout the course of their workout. Well, then they're going to be sore for like, three to four days, you know, and then it's, it's, it doesn't make for a, a pleasant experience because when you leave the gym or when you leave a workout, like you should feel good. Like you should want to do it again. Right. But yeah. if you have someone that's like waddling out of the gym, cause their legs are just completely shell shocked. Like maybe some, you know, people who are psychos like, like Andrew would be like, Oh, I can't wait to do that again. Um, but for your, for your average person, they're going to be like, dude, what the hell was that? That was like not fun. I don't feel good. And then they can't, you know, when they go to like take a shit, they have to like just essentially <laughs> draw. No, have you guys ever had that? Like your legs are so fried. Have I ever been sore when I try to use the restroom? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you try to like sit down on the toilet and you can't control <laughs> the eccentric part and you just end up dropping yourself on the toilet. Like not a fun place. Yeah, I thought you were t- sorry to interrupt. I thought yeah. you were talking about the eccentric part of you actually going to the bathroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that's where that was going too. Going, you ever guys see Kim's like you guys ever see uh the movie Bridesmaids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like where they're eating that bad food and they're they're trying to <laughs> it's coming out like lost. That's yeah, hard. right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that's a good point. And it's like it also kind of seems like we're bringing up the topic of just exercising like and like what you said zach where okay maybe my goal while i'm on vacation is i just kind of want to breathe heavy and i want to essentially stimulate like a certain muscle group like i think that is a different mindset because that is just exercising and just general movement Mm -hmm. where when you're back in your kind of normal environment right where things are more consistent that's when you should be getting into training and you do more of that that 90% that you were mentioning, right? The, the mm-hmm. smart programming where you're like, okay, you know, I'm going for certain rep ranges, certain weights, all that stuff. Um, Cause I don't know. I think there is a, there definitely is a time and a place for like, Hey, I just want to, <laughs> I kind of just want to move um, mm-hmm. some weight around. I want to kind of move my body, all that stuff. And there is a good mental component to that. Like there are some times, like, obviously I haven't done this this month because I've been doing dead December, but there are certain workouts where I'm like, you know what? I just want to go for a mental challenge. I want to see how far I can push my body and my, and my brain, right? Like how, how much pain can I go through? Right. And I'm, and at that point, I'm kind of giving myself a, you know, a free pass at quote unquote smart training 
because I want to, <laughs> I want to kind of see what I'm made out of mentally, you know? Yeah. Um, and what I can say to that is like part of that 10% that I was talking about, like maybe like, obviously it's if you're on vacation or you're, you're limited on time, but also like if you're not competing, if you're not a competitive powerlifter, if you don't compete in physique uh, competitions, if, if you don't Olympic weightlift, you need room for enjoyment. Like it good, solid programming is boring. Like they're like, it's not fun if because you're doing the same thing and you're progressively overloading it and you're just trying to regulate your fatigue and it's like the same movements. So sometimes you need that, that, like you said, that the physical, mental and mental challenge to just keep you fresh. It's kind of like a cheat day when you're dieting or a cheat meal. Mm -hmm. Like you need that, that ice cream once in a while to keep you sane. I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, finishing up with your kind of your career here, mm-hmm. not that your career is over. Yeah. <laughs> it's done. Uh, it will be once we release this episode. <laughs> uh, Get fired. Uh, <laughs> what, so what took place at um, the chiropractic practice? Like what, like what did we do there? How long did you work there? What did it look like, you know, post, you know, did you just continue doing that one stop in session uh, style, and then what happened after? Okay, so there was so some unfortunate events happened um, with the owner, the boss. Um, so then we ended up parting ways. Um, we still talk here and there, just because my dad has known him since for since I've been alive. He went to him back in like early two thousands, um, closer to yeah around yeah like 2001 um so he's known him for a long time and uh end up parting ways it was just not a good um work environment and then that's where i found uh orange theory and um eat the frog um and then i'm also in school so i have some networking and connections through uh the head strength coach over at uh benedicting in lyle so um hmm. Awesome. I've been a little bit. I, I my goal was after that first job that that Wheaton Sports Center job is to get as much experience in like group fitness, chiropractic, so a medical setting. Um, work like I wanted to work for a doctor, learn from from that doctor. But then I also um, learned some things about like the like chiropractic that I'm like, eh, this really doesn't make much sense. This is kind of like a placebo effect kind of thing. Um, so in my mistakes, I've learned a lot, like, and I wanted to be exposed to a lot of things t- so I could know what I wanted to do once I got that degree and like was working full time. Cool. Yeah. How long did you work for OTF? A year. And then another year. And then stupid COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like March until March or so? Uh. It was it was actually kind of like BS on their part. Like I don't want to like talk bad about anyone, but like we we stopped. They closed in March. They kept me on. They kept everyone on until oh, what was it? June. Like so, then we came back in June, late June, and they're like, we're we're able to come and do like obviously restricted, like limited people uh, capacity. 
um, early July, like right after July 4th. I worked for the rest of those three weeks. And then like two days before August, they're like, yeah, we're going to have to let you go. We just can't. Yeah. Wow. So like Cam, he worked, he worked for the, uh, uh, the Kessler group, I believe it was Rockford. Oh, I'm and... not going to mention the name, but no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who cares? I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different groups, you it know, was... there's a bunch of different companies, right? Yeah. Like, and, and I don't want to bash cause it was, it was a very fun atmosphere. I loved working for them, but like, yeah. like you guys could have, you could have just let me go in March. Like I understand maybe they didn't know that they would have to eventually, but you knew when coming back in July that you were going to let me go. You shouldn't even have let me like work. Like basically I wasted three weeks where I could have been finding another. Oh, for sure. That- I mean, it was a similar situation for, for mine. I worked for mm-hmm. Providence and it was the, you know, the largest group. It was the, the local corporate mm-hmm. and it was a great learning experience, but it was kind of a similar situation where I'm sure it's tough as a, a business owner to have so many different people who just can't work. And you're like, okay, well, what do I do? I don't want to yeah. lose this because hopefully things bounce back. And then if you let people go, you you don't get those people to bounce back when you eventually do get to reopen. Yeah. But it was kind of a, a weird situation where you know, how do you plan for something like this? But there also was clearly no plan for um, dealing with the craziness, you know? Yeah. A lot was unknown, it, I guess you could say. But yeah, the, I, I, as a business owner, I would have done something different. One day. Yeah. And that's, that's what it's all about. Right. Yeah. Is, uh, sure. cause Cam, what was, what was the, what was the group that you worked for? You were, you were the second biggest. Yeah. It was called Chicagoland fitness. They had like 13, 14 studios, I think. And as far as I, as far as I know, um, there wasn't anything really like that, that happened where they kind of kept people along on. And then, you know, like <laughs> I almost said deleted, uh, fired them. Um, just cause like, I think, I couldn't think of the word. Um, so I think it's like, which is one of those things when, when you own so many studios, you just probably have more, you know, you have more resources and probably more money stowed away that you can, you know, you can save more so for a rainy day um, than maybe. Yeah, but you also have more, you have more yeah. bleeding though. Yeah. You have, oh. you have multiple uh, rents. You have. Yeah. Yeah triple yeah, and, three locations so they had triple everything triple. that's very true no four locations four mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i guess it really it probably really just comes down to how the people did, did rockford even business. count because i'm pretty sure rockford had like 200 members forever <laughs> i have right i have no idea like again like like nothing against them i just think that they should have done it and they did it to other employees too. They they should have like went about the process a little bit smarter for how how successful they have been with Orange Theory. It just should have been done a little bit differently. I think that like that also this whole pandemic thing helped expose as to how um, some businesses care about employees and some don't. And it's like it's helped me be like, okay, well, in in crazy situations. Mm-hmm. If I had a team or if I had multiple teams, what would I do differently? How would I adapt mm-hmm. to this? How would I? And it's it's been like a cool pre-learning experience, I think, to try to plan for something crazy to take place one day, you know? Yeah. And what are the procedures? You know, do you tell people right away, you know, hey, we can't have you here. Um, but, you know, if I can help you in any way or something like that, or do you try to hold it out? It's 
because like like you were like we're all kind of explaining here all these different groups are different businesses that franchise with orange theory and they all reacted very different some were like kind of similar but there were many different ways that, that people went about things mm-hmm. and of course even like the eat the frog studio that was open you know they went about things differently too and uh it's just it's like I'm so glad that fitness has become an essential business, quote unquote. I mean, I think it's bullshit. I think everything should be essential, you know, yeah. for the, the government to be able to tell people what is important and what is not important. You know, everybody's making a living. Everybody is, everybody should be allowed to, even in crazy, dangerous situations, should be allowed to operate their business and for to allow other people to either participate or not. Um, I mean, to, to try to close things down off of fear and uh, worry for any reason, I think is um, a gross mis- misrepresentation as to what our lives should look like. But I'm kind of going on a tangent here. <laughs> no, but like, exactly, like especially after like um, the numbers have come out, like of the the COVID cases that were traced back to gyms, like it's stupid low. Like, how is that yeah, not? Yeah, like, yeah. like these gym owners are being safe. Yeah, there might be that one percent that is just like. F it, like, no masks are required, like, yeah, we'll have a spray bottle here, but, like, you don't have to use it. Like, I, I like, majority of gyms, like, people don't want to get sick. Okay, like, think how many people were, how important it was to wipe down and clean gym equipment before all this. Non-existent. And I, I just, really? And I, I yeah. think completely not, or it's like that, like. Dude, like, I, I, like, the with product. the gyms that I would go to, even, like, the shitty exports, like, and. <laughs> I feel like it's okay to trash export. It's all right. Export <laughs> is pretty gross. Um, like I, like I always cleaned everything up. Well, that's, and that's because yeah, you that, work. That's you. Like <laughs> that's one person. That. I'm like, as somebody that had to do that for a paycheck, you, yeah. you, you see how dirty these barbells are, and yeah. like, not just like like physical dirt, like that. It, it's germs. It's it's other people's sweat. Like you know, you physically know. And I feel like some people just don't do it one because it's a, it's a it, they're lazy and kind of selfish but two like they lazy, yeah. don't want to see it because then they're mm. then they're thinking about all the time that they've touched that and not washed their hands and ate that banana after they worked out or whatever it's true yeah not want to just lazy that's the uh what what principle is that from from andy frisella cam the the piss on the your uh piss on the toilet seat one right yeah the, the piss on the toilet seat Yo, Zach, yeah. do you know that one who who is this guy andy frisella i would have this i'm good with faces he's the he's he's uh one of the high ups for uh first form andy how do you spell his last name f-r-i-s-e-l-l-a so okay. he's got a podcast that uh it's it's been a pretty notorious podcast but you know cam and i definitely listen to it and this principle is it's like the high performer, high um, mentality and really high execution uh, mindset where it doesn't matter who you are. If you're going in and you're using you know, the toilet over at you know, his facility, over at you know, if you're an employee, if you're visiting or whatever, he takes notice for you know, who's walking out of the bathroom and you know, pissing on the toilet seat and not wiping it up. That's like scary. if. If you were, if you were to do that and he was to catch you, like you'd be fired. Like you'd be, it doesn't matter what your position is. Yeah. Like you're out of his company. Yeah. And it's, it's the same idea. It's like, 
if you're so willing to not take care of the things that you're doing to a very small degree, so clean up after yourself to uh, pay attention to the details as best you can and be on top of your game. Um, what else are you willing to skip on in life? You know, nutrition, training, um, reading, all that stuff. Yeah. So, so you get essentially laid off from Orange Theory like midsummer. How soon after that do you then um, did you go from that to Eat the Frog, or was there something in between? Uh, it was just like online personal training, um, and it was kind of like I'm fortunate enough that where my parents um, make enough money to support my bum ass when I <laughs> would <laughs> like, go so twice. So um, I guess it it was also like my mom was like maybe you should just kind of this it's your senior year of college just kind of focus on school or uh, whatever. I'm like no, like I understand how much shit costs like i need to do my part to i don't know society i need to work and like i um i i want money i want that freedom and so i took what was it august pretty much august when did i talk to brian i can't i can't remember but um i would say maybe um five to six weeks um i then contacted um brian at uh eat the frog in wheaton because my mom used to be a member and she was talking to Brian um, about it. And he said that some people are kind of transitioning out and we might be in the, in the market for a new trainer or a coach. I mean, um, so maybe like six weeks max. It was probably yeah, mid September. So is when I first met you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, cause I mean, I feel like a lot of people would think, and I mean, I don't know a lot of the differences, but you know, people think, okay, group training is group training, whatever. But you know, you you and Andrew both did Orange Theory and Eat the Frog pretty close to each other. It's not like there was a year in between, right? So like, and I'm I'm very familiar with Orange Theory, but I've never even stepped foot into an Eat the Frog. I mean, Andrew's told me quite a bit about Wait, pause. it. But- I love that statement where you're like, oh, you and Andrew are both. Uh, seen orange theory and there wasn't like a ton of time in between and i know orange theory very well and cam's been out of orange theory for like a year and a half yeah but it's, I, like- it's ingrained in me still anyways um what okay so what are just some of like the big differences between the two um okay so i would say orange and i think yeah these franchise like these franchises have rules they have to follow but also like the owners, they can, I guess, put out these rules or, um, what's the word? I'm, I'm missing. Adjust? I guess, yeah. And, like, they could kind of um, project these rules a certain way and kind of voice it in certain um, ways, and some do better than the others. But the biggest difference, I would say, Eat the Frog, you have a lot more freedom, I guess you could say. Um, compared to orange, yeah, orange it was, it. was a lot more like kind of steps you have to do. Like you have like a script and like, uh, to like, in, like an intro script, you have certain things that you need to say. Um, so it was a lot more corporate and I feel like eat the frog for me personally. Like we had a, uh, um, Andrew, you weren't there, but in our last meeting, we had a kind of like a, a thing. What do you, what do you like about eat the frog the most? And I wrote, uh, basically like working in a corporate company, but having like 
being an individual, like not just being thrown into a group of people, but you, you like you have your own kind of yeah. personality and role in each um, business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd say that's a really good point to to touch on the the fact that it's like it's it's so much more of a small newer company mm -hmm. that yes you can make more decisions individually as a, as a business versus you know if you have 1200 1400 open for business studios you know you have to be very very intense on the rules otherwise you know it's all of a sudden you have 200 studios doing something completely different yeah and you're like you know when you have when you have 24 studios open for business uh the chances that one studio is way off track is you know, maybe, maybe, you know, not as good, but it's a little bit easier to get one studio back on track than 200. Right. Yeah. for sure. Um, and the math there definitely does not apply both ways, but uh, <laughs> it's the programming to me is one of the most important and interesting parts of it. Cause of course, eat the frog is still a very new brand. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I was excited to jump in early on because I, you know, we know opportunities are available when things are newer things aren't going to be as polished, of course, but the concept of, of true scientific and proper programming of taking somebody up in intensity and then bringing them back down, that's something that's major, majorly lacking in the group fitness industry. Um, across the board, not just talking about OT or you know, we're talking about CrossFit, we're talking about all these different things. Most of the time it's, hey, everybody's going to do this workout today. It's, it's going to be the exact same. Mm -hmm. and we'll make some pivots, some adjustments for people. Um, but it's less about taking people's true consideration or their, their, their true goals and objectives and you know along with their evaluations into consideration to try to create a more customized program inside of what the brand is and that's what i like about eat the frog and that's what they definitely are doing mm -hmm. is they're trying to use that personal training side or that fitness assessment that yeah kind of has been neglected i feel yeah um the thing, like the difference between Eat the Frog and uh, Orange Theory, if whoever is listening hasn't doesn't know what either is, like Orange Theory, the the workout was different every single day. There, it was just kind of it was kind of like that ten percent we were talking about earlier, where it, I just want to sweat, so I'm just gonna throw a bunch of movements together, and I'm gonna do as much as I can in thirty minutes. Like, like like I said, there's that ten percent where that is necessary but then eat the frog which is a lot more i guess you could say intelligently programmed yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> i don't think they're there quite yet like because mm -hmm. they they do like micro cycles so week by week kind of thing is the same and then they also have like a deload and a peak i guess you could say i yeah. i think what would take them to the next step with doing more of a like a mesocycle like four to eight week thing so they could stay at four and then like do a deload um kind of week on week five um you understand what i'm saying yeah but then again like people the general public that comes into these group fitness they they just want to get their ass kicked and so you need to have some sort of intelligent um programming but then also like fit the needs of what people want it's it's like a balance of being able to properly communicate the importance of that too yeah. um because many people will be like i just don't understand or i just don't care enough to and you're like no you should care because yeah. this is gonna make a big difference you, yeah you should care like there's there's a reason why 
strength days have different style movements and less time on the spin and the rower because you're supposed to be focusing on strength. You shouldn't be doing jumping jacks. <laughs> and, and like there's there's two other days for you to be doing that. Kind of absolutely. If you want to get your heart rate. If you want to keep your heart rate up, just take cardio. Like do whatever you want. But like obviously we want you to have a balance of all three kind of styles. Dude, thing that just gets me going more than anything else that just, just annoys the crap out of me is, and not, it's not the person, it's the uh, the fact of the matter, the situation that annoys me. When you take somebody who has been doing something like one of these big group fitness um, training mm-hmm. systems for a year and you compare performance, you compare um, aesthetics and the person, you know, maybe their, their heart rate's a little bit more under control. And, you know, their blood pressure is a little better, but everything else really just isn't trending too much. Things aren't changing uh, over like the course of a year. Mm -hmm. That gets me so annoyed because I'm like, how are we not noticing the the difference here um, in all these performance and aesthetic goals and realizing things aren't working and making pivots and adjustments? Yeah. Um, To go off of that, like. There are so many kind of things within fitness that you could judge progress off of. Like for example, yeah. like I have a like a, a personal training client um, over in Naperville, and his weight isn't budging much, in in the sense of uh, so he gained a bunch of weight um, over quarantine, and he reached out to me, and so I've been training him for about fourteen. Yeah, it, this will be week fourteen. Weight has dropped five six pounds but all so like not the greatest amount of weight not what he was shooting for but all his like workouts whether it be like just doing dumbbell bench going from going from 35 pounds for a couple sets of 10 or more to now he's doing 55 pounds for like there's a lot of variables that could change and to see progress yeah absolutely so don't just worry about the that scale number of people (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's where that's where group fitness gets really tricky and specifically with like orange theory people like it's almost like the only metric people would use is how many calories did I burn and what were my splat points like mm. that's the like there was a few people that you know they would get excited with like the orange x and be like okay like let's see how much how much more weight I can lift mm-hmm. um but everyone else is like oh I didn't get my 11 splat points like okay well you know, I've also never seen you curl 25 pound dumbbells before and you did that today. So like, yeah. why, are, why are you having a little yeah. pity party about your splat points? You know, like, I, I don't know. That, that's a really good point. You have, and you have to choose which metric, you know, do you care about? Like if your client that you just mentioned only cared about the number on the scale and not about like any strength gains at all, mm-hmm. then adherence is probably going to go down because he's like, hey, I'm not getting the results I thought I'd get. You know, as opposed to being like, well, I'm also becoming an absolute beast under those dumbbells, you know? So yeah. it's perspective is really, really important for someone sticking to a program. Um, and also just <laughs> like, uh, I think once you start to see results, that's when you start to kind of get addicted to it. Cause once we see a progress, you know, you want more and more and more, but if you have progress going on, let's say on the right hand side, but you're always looking left, then you're going to be missing out on like the amazing things you're doing that you used to not be able to do, you know? So having a coach there that's like, Hey, 
look what you're doing. It's like, oh my God, I am getting better. Like it kind of helps out a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's like a balance between how much of this needs to be pop culture fitness <laughs> and like talking about calories and all this, you know, things that, you know, things that would annoy us. Like, yeah, they're important to, to talk about every now and then, but realizing, okay, when is the proper place to talk about these things and also educating past that um, and making sure that people are learning outside of just the, the, the stuff that people want to talk about all the time, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's so much more than just, you know, your slap points, your frog points or your, your calories, uh, bur- being burned or living yeah. in zone four, the red zone or whatever you want to call it, depending on your, your brand. It's, you know, you don't, it's not good to just live at a hundred and 180 beats per minute for, for like 50 minutes. That's <laughs> yeah. not what you want yeah, no. to do here. Um, the best way to put it, I would say is these little wins, um, are, part of the equation for the final goal, I guess you could say. So for example, like, like the guy that I'm training, he is staying around the same amount, like the same body weight, but progressing in dumbbell bench press. Um, he, before he, he was having, he had a balance thing, uh, something with his ear. What's it called? Huh. Oh, it's like, a an inner ear type of, yeah. So his balance was off. This guy, yeah. he like thirty five years old, like one legged stuff, like like unilateral stuff is was is not in the picture. Now wow. he's doing reverse lunges without holding on to the wall. So like little wins That's like awesome. that is what people need mm-hmm. to work towards for the bigger picture. And I like everyone deals with it. Like I deal with it myself. So like I'm not I haven't made I haven't won like maxed out in a while back squat anything really like i haven't tested any of that one because i don't have access to it all the time but also <laughs> no like, like i'm trying to think of like okay well, you did hit like 50 reps on uh on back squat the other day no. <laughs> that, but that's what i'm saying like like at certain body weights i look okay last year at at this body weight i only did this weight for this many reps so like for example last year yeah. I think I did like 225 for a set of 20 back squat. And then Dude, and then awesome. a couple of weeks ago when Andrew and I trained, I did 245 for for 26. So I did more weight and more reps. <laughs> oh my god. So, so I mean and obviously there's there's Tim's like nervous laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and also I've learned over the years. It's also about learning your body type. I learned over the years I am not a good like all out max strength guy. IPR volume way quicker and way more like more um I guess you can say consistent consistently than I do like one rep max that's great that's great see that's funny because you are so much stronger than I am right now like it's ridiculous it's a little gross um but my body responds better to just volume training Mm -hmm. and being able to to hit like those those pump sets um and going for that size training, you know, proper um, hypertrophy. And it's just, it's not something I've ever been super good at. I mean, of course, you have to dive in. You have to train for that specifically for yeah. a while to see progress. Yeah. But it's one of those things, you know, th- where everybody's different. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about briefly, where we, we talked about this a little bit before we started the podcast. And Cam and I 
kind of talked about it previously too, and we're going to expand on it later, but neurotyping is something that's been more of interest to me recently because it dives into the differences as to how our, our brains and our bodies work and uh, kind of our, our skeletal system um, all together because it's just so different depending on who you are and how your body makeup is. And something like that where Zach's just like stupid strong and he's just like more geared to be able to, to hit that stuff. It's not that I'm not geared for that, um, but my body just reacts to training a little bit differently or different types of training. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Kim, you can, you can answer it as well. Do you, Kim, you're allowed to, yeah. <laughs> this is good to both of you. Um, you can speak now. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Um, do you, because obviously the um, specificity is very important. Like if you want to get stronger at your one rep max, you have to train in that, that one to, I guess you could say five rep range, smart, um, regulating fatigue, um, keeping that in, in check. But do you find that your strength numbers, like one to three reps increases with when you, in, when you get stronger at hypertrophy? Because there are some people that pro- can progress from both ways. Like for me, like I went from, for example, I went from one, like two, like last winter, I went from 195 on bench. I suck at bench press. 195 for 10 to 232. I was using kilo plates. But my one rep max only went up five pounds. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? I would say, yeah, my, my, uh, my one rep max, my low rep max range, mm-hmm. it's just, it's never been something that's been very good for me. Yeah. I've never been able to perform very, very well, even when I did train um, specifically for powerlifting. Yeah. And, you know, my, my maxes have been um, deadlift for 435. And, my bench press was like 310 or something like that, like just shy of 315. And I think my squat was like 365 or something was my one rep max for, for depth squat, back squat. And like those numbers aren't that impressive. But, you know, the other day I'm, you know, hitting five or, um, yeah, it was five clean reps for seated dumbbell shoulder press. Mm-hmm. And like it felt clean, like being able to, to hit, and I know that's like kind of on, it's like borderline, kind of closer to that low, low mm-hmm. uh, rep range. But usually within five to 10, five to 12 rep range, I can hit weights a lot easier um, for heavy mm-hmm. for myself versus if I'm going very, very heavy for low reps for some reason. Yeah. I I think that's that's kind of true with me too. Like I feel like your, so if like your one rep max, and then you should have a certain percentage of that should be pretty close to like your three rep max and then another one for your five rep max. I feel like if my like three and five rep maxes actually correlated to what it should be for a one rep max, like I'm trying to say this, my one rep max is never what it actually quote unquote should be. Cause I don't know. I just, <laughs> maybe it's cause like I haven't, I mean, except for right now, like the past, maybe I'm just a little, <laughs> <laughs> that's also got something to do with it. But like the, so I would say the past like nine weeks are the only nine weeks where I've completely like in like the purest sense only focused on strength. Like even when I was going for like working towards a like my heaviest deadlift, me and Andrew were still training for our Spartan race. So and which involved a just ton of like cardio, right? So you're kind of playing tug of war at that point. But um, yeah, I I think over the past like nine weeks I have 
gotten a lot better at just generating force for minimal reps. When I feel like before, what I could do for 10 reps would never correlate to a true one rep max because I never truly trained for it. So it's kind of one of those like tough things to say because it's, you know, it's the difference between what are you naturally and genetically gifted at? Like our friend Barrett, I swear he was just born to lift heavy stuff. His, his like structure is perfect for it. He has pretty, pretty short legs and like pretty long arms. So he's like made for deadlifting and also his, his upper body is just huge. So he's also just amazing at bench pressing too. Um, I mean, also he works at it like really hard too. Um, so it's, you never want to give yourself an out, which I feel like I've probably done for myself quite a bit up until recent sure. history where it's like, oh yeah, I've, you know, I've just never really been good at, you know, maxing out mm. heavy weight. But when I really look at it, it's like, well, how much of a chance have I given myself to truly adapt to that stimulus? And the real answer is, you know, not, not a whole lot. I mean, I remember when uh, I first moved back after graduating college, Andrew and I, for some reason, I don't know how, I don't know why we did this or how it came about, but we just started squatting like absolute maniacs. And I saw like huge, huge improvements. I remember we were going for a, um, a one rep max one day. And I was like, just shy of, I was at like, I don't remember what exactly it was, but it was like 285 or something, something I never thought I would even be able to do just cause like probably mentally I was like, ah, that's too heavy. But, and then we almost went for 300 and I, I almost got it. And I was like, holy shit. Like I didn't think I'd be able to move anywhere near this amount of weight, but I also just had never trained that way. So I, it's just a fine line, right? Like what's genetically holding you back but also how are you just holding yourself back and not truly dedicating, you know, your training to a specific thing, right? Cause maybe you could get really good at doing a one rep max or vice versa. Maybe if you're someone who only lifts heavy, you know, maybe you don't know what you could do for a, a five rep max or a, a 10 rep PR, right? Can I, can I jump in really quick with uh, some quick neurotyping uh, application here. So this is something that I'm going to be applying for the P10 training team coming in the new year. Um, everybody who, and so those who are listening, you get a surprise announcement here. Um, for those, <laughs> those of us who are already training and everybody who's going to be added in on the P10 training team, um, we're going to be required to utilize this neurotyping test in order to find out how we train best and how you know our brain and bodies uh, work together more naturally. So Cam got type three. And once again, we'll go over this in another um, full length episode. But based off of what Cam just said, here are some of the details about a type three, quote unquote, um, mind muscle connection. So most important stuff that, that would uh, that would apply to you. And, and let me know if this sounds correct, Cam. Control and being able to push hard only when you feel like you're in perfect control of something like a form, weight, movement, whatever. Does that sound about accurate? Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> so I was reading it last week and I was like that was the probably the number one thing that stuck out to me because in my mind I'm not going to put a certain amount of weight on the bar for let's say deadlift because that's what I've been really focusing on the past I guess year or so. Um yeah. I am not going to put on a weight that I think would have a certain level of risk for me not being able to deadlift 
in the future. So if I, you know, if I end up going for a weight that's kind of stupid and let's say I, I round my back way too much and something just pops out of place and then I'm unable to deadlift for, let's say six weeks, I, I will, I will never risk that. I, I just won't. Sure. And, so, but the tricky thing is, is sometimes it's like, I will tell myself that like, Oh, this is, this is too heavy. What if I hurt myself? Sometimes I might do that unnecessarily when I actually yeah. in reality could handle it. And I think I'm starting to find that, that line more and more. Okay. So another attribute here is intensity purposes. Um, assuming this is correct for you, light and average light to average intensity, focusing more on precision and motor learning is heavily important for um, your neurotype. Yep. Yeah. When, yeah. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm dead. Now, now what's, what's interesting to that for you to affirm that I would assume we don't know what Zach's neurotype is, but Zach is much, much different than a, a type three off of what I, I know about him right away. So intensity for cam light to average intensity, focusing more on precision and motor learning. That doesn't sound like anything that you would be uh, interested in and, and uh, you're more of a high intensity training focus, right? Or that's what I would argue. What are my other options? <laughs> Is that what do you think I am? So, so that's a that's I mean, that's a good question. I think you're mostly. So here's here's some words that describe um, these different neurotypes, just in a very general basis. Okay. A type one A, intensity. A type 1B, explosiveness is the main focus. Uh, type 2A, this is what I am, variety. Type 2B, sensations, more of a tactile type of, um, and being able to feel uh, workouts for a pump yeah, or for whatever you know, stress. And then type 3, what CAM is, control, mm -hmm. most important. So these are the most important aspects of these things. I would argue that you're probably type 1A or type 1B. Yeah, I would say intensity. Like people are gonna, the people are gonna think I'm crazy, but I actually hate like stupid chest pumps. Like I hate not being able to move. That's so interesting. Like I hate, like I don't like pump. Like I like getting like a pump here and there, but like I hate not being able to like. People say like the bicep pump where you can't touch your shoulders. I hate that. Like, really? Doesn't feel That's good. so interesting. So I'm more of a sensation, you know, because I'm type 2A and type 2B more so, I believe. I'm mostly type 2A where the variety is the most important part, but sensation and being able to, to get stronger by getting bigger, that's another thing for type 2B. Like that's super important to me where I'm all about the, the aesthetics and trying to look a certain way and trying to, you know, get, yes, get stronger through that, but strength isn't the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to go for for athletic performance, essentially, and mostly, and you're, you're like, yeah, my body's going to look a certain way. My body's going to change and react, but you know, let's see what we can do for pushing ourselves in a, on a performance level. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah a right assessment? Yeah, I would say so. I'd so, what do you think? If you were to guess, I would, I would and uh, if you're down for it, I think you should take this this test. I, but I agree with you. What do you think? Type one A or type one B? Are you more intensity purpose? Uh, you build muscle by getting stronger, or are you type one B more explosiveness? You build muscle by getting more powerful. Can I be both? I think it's one B. Can I be both? Because I do. I like <laughs> I like training. Um, 
clean and jerk and, and snatch. So that's, that's a lot of power yeah. um, explosiveness, but also I do, I do enjoy it. Like, and this is another thing, weird thing. I do enjoy like high rep back squats. Like it, like I, 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 I chase that pump. I chase a leg pump more than anything. Okay. Both of these are very high performer uh, neurotypes. So you're going to be somebody who's probably more of a natural athlete because you can you can deal with stress pretty well, um, and your body can deal with high, like high loads of work um, over extended periods of time as well. I would agree with that because I did play my whole junior season basically with that um, stress fracture. Yeah, wow. <laughs> see, I'd be like, I'd be like, wow, I should really stop because what if I can never play baseball again? So like that. <laughs> That's kind of interesting that you say that. But uh, so here's here's my kind of curiosity with this whole neurotyping thing. Let's say you have someone like me who I was off. I was a type three by two points compared to a type two B. And, you know, this uh, Thibodeau guy, he makes programs for these neurotypes. So what I'm kind of curious about is what if me, who's probably a type three, did a program that was designed for someone um, like you or Zach, who's like a type type one B or one uh, A, and how would I respond? Like, can I become a type one A and vice versa? Right. So that's that thing where it's like you might be yeah, pre- you might be predisposed to a certain training modality that you're attracted to, but how limited are you truly if you tried changing it? Right. Yeah. So we're, I mean, these are just, these are just parameters, just like anything else. You're yeah. not going to be a specific, like, Oh, this is what you are and nothing else. That's why you get different levels. When you take this exam uh, for Zach and everybody else who doesn't know what this looks like, you're going to get different scores for each type because everybody's going right. to be different. Um, but seeing how these, these things manifest in themselves. Yeah. You could be kind of in between the two B and two and, and type uh, three, but they're, they're similar. That's why it's kind of a, a shift, you go from 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B, and type 3. It's not like type 3 is much, much different from the, the spectrum from type 1A. Mm-hmm. But for you to be more similar to, and type 2A is in the middle. That's what I am. I'm more of an equal distribution. If I look at my specific overlay of all the different types, I'm more equally dis- distributed um, between all these different things because I do like the variety and the, the change up factors. So you can't change your natural neurotype. Yeah. I mean, that's just how your body and mind works. But mm-hmm. you could be more inclined to a few different things. I was gonna say, like, does I this? I'm guessing you guys could agree with me. We this isn't um, something like eating a certain diet to your blood type. No, no, training or like training or eating a species uh, species. A special way, like like ectomorph. You know how people do that. Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah like, I like you. Don't want people to get that kind of uh, view of this thing. No, this is simply yeah, the mind muscle connection and how the body is more naturally disposed to a certain type of yeah. training, a frequency, mm-hmm. and really, it's it's like this, guys. Our our minds and our bodies are obviously connected and they all work together through everything. Mm -hmm. Each person has a different reaction to intensity, frequency, and type of training. And 
you can criteria every single type of training you've ever done because there's many different kinds. There's Olympic style training. There's power uh, training, which is a style of Olympic or vice versa. There's more of a, of a hypertrophy, a bodybuilding focus of, of training. There's more endurance athletes where you work for longer periods, periods of time, more cardio based, more aerobic, more anaerobic, more muscular based. And within all these different things, the body's going to react differently depending on who you are. And can you get good? Let's say I'm super bad at being a high explosive athlete. Like it's just not natural for me. Can I get good at it? Can I get decent at it? Yeah, of course I'm training for it. Yeah, 100%. But Mm-hmm. Am I going to be top like Olympic level? If I would, if I was to do that, that would be freaking hard yeah. because I would have to put so much time and effort into it. Yeah. It's not natural. Yeah. It, everyone responds to um, exercise differently for sure. Like, uh, so that makes sense then. Like, it's not like the blood type thing. It's every, it's basing a programming off of how your body responds. Like for me, like legs, I don't have to do a lot of volume for me to keep the muscle and build the muscle but for chest sure. i had to damn near pull the bone uh, pull the muscle off the bone like it, <laughs> like it was borderline dangerous how much volume i had to do to see any sort of growth oh man yes. so interesting man yeah so i guess switching gears a little bit because it's always fun to bring this topic up whenever there's a third person involved so oh, God. Andrew and I have done here. <laughs> so Andrew and I have done two, two to three episodes on this topic, and I just want to get your take on it. So, one of the biggest, or one of the most highly abused um, parts of just the fitness industry is people selling like just really bogus supplements or really good supplements that maybe go overlooked and. I think for a lot of people, it can be hard to distinguish the difference between the two, especially if they're just getting started out, you know, because if you see a shredded guy or girl and they're like, oh yeah, take, take this supplement. Like it'll get rid of all the tummy fat in 30 days, you know, whatever. Some ad like that. What, what would be, what would be, (laughs) I don't know, whatever. That's the term that Cam uses. Tummy. Moving on. um, (laughs) What, what are some of your. I guess first off, do you do you take supplements and and what do you take? Um. Okay. So do you do drugs, Zach? Are you half <laughs> natural, Zach? No. How much D ball do you take? <laughs> Hundred milligrams. He's like, I'm trying to be top straight performer, bro. Straight in the right butt cheek. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say this right here. If if for people that are looking at marketing, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Yeah. Right. So for me. I have tried nearly not everything because that means people are going to be like, oh, he took steroids. Um, no. Um, everything that you see. On- That's how I recovered so fast off my back episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just- coach coach came in and he said, hey, you look a little soft. Alligator DNA straight into my spine. No. <laughs> no um, um, well, like, a lizard, bro. Like – if you like think about like going down the target or whatever, wherever you get groceries or like in store supplements, jewel, whatever, if you look at like the, the hydroxy cut, the, the fat burners, the detoxes, like I've literally tried everything. Like, but this was back in high school thinking that I could get some sort of edge from taking, mm-hmm. um, like, I, like I borderline thought pre-workout was like 
crack. Like I thought it would like you would see something right away and you would see it, you see a difference, you would feel differently. Like people, that's how people described it in the market to me. So for me right now, all I take is weight, protein. That's all I take. Incredible. I, I actually just retweeted this on Twitter. Like somebody tweeted about like, oh, I forgot to take pre-workout today. And guess what? There was absolutely no change. So like, I think a lot of, and the science, the literature says so as well. Supplements are the only ones that really, I guess you could say, have a good amount of evidence and um, research on it is whey, creatine, and caffeine. Those would be my top three, my only three. Don't waste your money on anything else because BCAAs, everyone loves, thinks that those have some sort of advantage. If you're eating enough protein, you enough whatever, um, animal, vegetarian, vegan, whatever you do, you're gonna, you, you don't need those BCAAs. Like you're, you're gonna get it with an, like a well balanced, adequate un, amount of calories protein yeah Mm -hmm. um and you guys you guys have mentioned this before about your favorite in a previous podcast multivitamins yeah you got you guys are i see i feel like those are even to a certain point a waste of money if you are eating eight to ten servings of if you're not eating eight to ten servings of fruits and vegetables yeah take it but I feel like with the literature and the evidence, if you have enough servings of fruits and vegetables, you don't really need to worry that much about multivitamin. Yeah. Well, I think multivitamins the goal, are kind of a hit or miss for sure. Well, like, the goal in general can, is to not have any supplements. Like if you, you know, yeah. if, if you're eating everything properly and if you're getting enough sleep, like caffeine is probably one of the most abused things ever because people are not willing to work on getting good sleep. You know, you're on your phone until, you know, until you literally try going to sleep and that's a horrible idea. Right. So it's like, and then the next yeah. day you need caffeine, right. Cause you got shitty sleep yeah. and then it just, it's an endless cycle. Right. So and then even with protein, it's like, you know, that people try to think that supplements are necessary, but they, they're really not. I mean, they're, it's a tool you can use. Right. I mean, if you're on the go, I mean, you know, Zach, you were saying you're a, you know, you're a student and you're also working like, yeah, yeah if you need to make a, a protein shake after your workout, cause you know, maybe you have to go study or, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's a convenience factor. And so there's, that's a great time to use it. But if someone's like, I literally had a member one time ask me, Hey Cam, what is a, <laughs> what's like a protein shake that will like, is there a protein shake that will burn fat? <laughs> and I just told her, I'm like, no. There's not. No. Like you're you're gonna try getting sold everything under the sun. And even with even like with like whey proteins, right? Like people will say all these different types of proteins are gonna like do certain things and blah blah blah. And yeah, there are like different types of whey, right? But sometimes it can be splitting hairs. It's like, hey, just it's probably gonna have twenty-five grams of protein, somewhere around there. And find one that tastes good. Like people get so, like they just make it so complicated. Yeah, like the right? casein versus whey thing. Right. It's yeah. like, <laughs> and it, like maybe it casein digests a little bit slower, but it's really not that big of a difference in terms of digestion. The only thing really I see 
why people use casein is to like bake or like make things like other than a protein mm. shake. I guess it like mixes yeah. better or reacts better when you add heat to it sure. baking something. Sure. It's it's really it's all, it just comes down to what your body, you know, does be- if you're allergic to mm-hmm. you know whey, then don't use it. Yeah. Like it's really <laughs> that's like casein's like a good option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, definitely. I think I think one supplement that is highly overlooked that in my experience has made one of the biggest differences is salt. If you do a like Andrew, this is literally what I would do for our like intense training sessions for like the Spartan race. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would take first off my pre-workout meal salt. I would salt the crap out of it. I mean, it, I would still be able to eat it, but um, or like before like an orange theory workout or before like my test days that were like two hours, I would overload on salt and it made a huge difference. I feel like sodium sodium's gotten such a bad rap because I had like people are like, oh like high blood pressure. It's like, well, there's like a bunch of reasons why you could probably have mm-hmm. high blood pressure. Um, like one of my coworkers is on blood pressure blood pressure medication, as doctor said, avoid salt. It's like, okay, that doesn't mean it doesn't mean like salt alone. If you're like an athlete or if you're consistently working out and you're healthy, salt is not like inherently bad for you. It's like that's like a huge misconception, I think. It's much more your body is so like I don't like people don't understand how like incredible the human body is in the sense like something is like blood pressure there's a lot to it it's not just salt yeah it's like there's a lot to your body that people make assumptions right away just because that's what their parents told them or that's what they grew up like um another example with this is like kids shouldn't lift weights because it'll stunt their growth. Like, oh that, man. That was my favorite like, from when we were growing like up. The, that has been passed down from generation to generation. It's like, like, like your body, get, like human body adapts very well. Yeah. Yeah. Drug free or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it depends on, it depends on the kid. If you have a, you know, let's say you have like a nine year old and you give them a barbell and they're able to lift it with, you know, good form, they're in control, all that stuff. Why, why not add a little bit of load to it? Like it's, you know, obviously if they're doing it with like shit form and it's uncontrolled and their body isn't responding, it's like, okay, we'll back off a little bit, but age, age shouldn't really be a major factor. It's going to be a case by case scenario. Yeah. That's like, that's like, that's like old people shouldn't, old people like should be doing resistance training. Like their bones are literally deteriorating at a, pretty dramatic rate at a, at a advanced age. And with resistance training, you can hang on to some of that bone density. I mean, I think we all, you know, most people know of some, you know, old lady or man who, who, you know, they fell down the stairs, broke their hip. And that was kind of the end for them. Like a lot of, wow, that's a really uh, intense situation. Yeah. A lot of, no, but I'm serious. Like a lot of older people fell like, down the stairs and broke their once, hip. Holy once, something, shit. Once, once something like that happens. Okay. Well, I'll admit that no. happened to my neighbor and she died like shortly after. No, no, that, um, no, no I will. I was talking that like, it's, it's not so much it, like these, um, I guess you could say, yeah, like elder, like elderly, like population, like when they break a hip and they can't move, like that's simple. Going from the couch to the kitchen to make dinner and back to the table, they need that. 
to live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like a lot of people have issues like surviving just being in bed rest because they broke their hip. And that's why. Yep. My grandpa broke his hip. That's, and then it's went downhill yeah. for sure. It's just so common. People need weight training. They need it. It's yeah. like all the way through the end of your life. Like mm-hmm. why not implement this now? No matter what mm-hmm. time of life you're in, it's just going to help. It's just going to help. Yeah, I, <laughs> It's uncomfortable. <laughs> just, just try to meet the guidelines. Like, like the base, the very minimal like guidelines to exercise in general, um, anaerobic and aerobic. Like it's it's really not that much time out of your day, and nobody's too busy. Well, yeah, exactly. And why would you not want to attempt to manipulate your body around our living world more effectively for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. all these things are going to apply. All these different forms of training are going to apply, whether it's aerobic, anaerobic, blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. All right. Best training principle, best learning experience you've ever had for fitness, Zach. You're like, man, people need to know this. Best. Could be, could be conceptual, could be um, applicable in the gym. Could be a movement. Um, well, I mean, I don't we call this, we call this like your aha moment. Like what was one of your best aha moments? We were like, dude, duh, this is amazing. Um, well, I'm, l- let me say this, like when I was first starting off and this is, I feel like everyone, you think, you know, everything you think you like, you like, you're super smart. And like, I could like my aha moment is knowing that I am progressively getting smarter with this fitness and health stuff every single day but also being able to realize that i don't know shit is the aha moment and um i'm i'm a very big um, follower of uh cam i think you mentioned him before mike isretel with renaissance periodization Mm -hmm. and then i'm also Mm -hmm. big on barbell medicine um jordan uh, feigenbaum and austin um baraki there too uh uh they have medical degrees, obviously, and uh, basically, just learning from them. It's it's they def- they read the research, and I think that's like very important in like for people to understand health and fitness. Is like Men's Health magazine. Do not listen to it. They they have not put out. I'll put this right now. I will speak louder. They have not put out a good article once. Not one article in that magazine is good. And like, I think that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty hard head hunt right there. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> cancel culture. No, um, um, <laughs> people need to realize let's start our own magazine. How about that? People need to realize that those magazines at the, uh, register of jewel, they're trash. You have to, you can't look at, you have to look at scientifically peer reviewed articles. Like, like, you that's how you that's the 90% we were talking about you have to pay attention to and that 10% is for and like mental and physical enjoyment like sure so i guess you like my biggest aha moment was realizing that i'm dumb as shit like i don't know everything like like i like that's what the aha moment is for sure like realizing like you don't know anything and I'll, and i'm gonna also shout out like like the fitness influencers on instagram like 
people following them. Like people need, I don't follow a single influencer. Like everyone I follow is either um, a medical professional or um, their company. Like I don't, like I don't uh, follow anyone that is just for the views kind of thing. Dude, I'm, I'm kind of an influencer though. So I don't know what you're trying to get. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and with the, with the influencers, you know, you got to think what, what attracts people, what's get, what gets people to buy things. You know, it's, it's that 10% where it's like Mm -hmm. you, it's kind of like, I was literally listening to um, a podcast today with Mike Isertel where he's like, you know, people were just like, Oh, balls to the walls every day. Like you had to grind it out. And he's like, he's essentially like shitting on that where it's like, mm-hmm. there's no scientific research. He talks about um, reps in reserve, RIR. Yes. And he's like, there's no scientific research to show that there's any strength gains. Um, there, there's no difference in strength gains between having zero reps in reserve and three reps in reserve. There's mm-hmm. like, there's, there is no difference. Like at least yeah, it's, scientifically, it's, there could be something. Yeah. There, yeah. There, there could be something. There, I guess, I suppose there could be a mental aspect to it where if you if you are able to find the the pure limit of what you're capable of doing, you know, then you might be able to push yourself a little harder in the future because you know what you're truly capable of, and that. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of hard to measure, right? So as far as a pure like strength standpoint, there is no difference. Where a lot of those influencers, yeah. they they uh, manipulate emotions of the people that are. Um, watching their their content and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not really based in anything, right? You're going to end up getting people really hyped up and be like, "Yeah, I'm going to go as hard as I can," you know, seven days a week, and then three weeks later, they're they go a hundred to zero. They, they completely stop working out because they're, they're not set up for success. Yeah, it's it's just managing fatigue for the long term. And yeah. a lot of people love living in that 10% because it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Quick shout out to, uh, to Zach for his, his aha moment. His aha moment was literally um, one of Socrates' famous quotes. It was, all I know is that I know nothing. Exactly. <laughs> so his, his, his aha moment was realization that we, how much we truly know versus how much we don't know it's always going to be greater on the I don't know scale. Mm-hmm. And to, to act like we know a lot when we don't, I mean, that's foolish. Mm-hmm. It's all about learning and uh, improving and enjoying the process, right? That's what I always try to um, focus in on. Exactly. Um, learning and to go back to those like fitness influencers, like them making a, a post about like, oh, this – chest exercise this chest workout is nuts give it a try and they're doing four sets of 12 everything and it's like random movements like random like three different like fly variations or whatever and like if you just like literally in in google type in like chest activation exercises peer review it will give you hundreds of articles and and reviews where they have pictures for people that don't want to read that of mm. charts of where like the best muscle act, uh, EMG muscle, muscle activation for like certain muscle groups. Like there's one, um, you guys had a podcast where you talking about, um, like glute training yeah. and like first thing people think barbell hip thrust. But then like in this one study, like they, they showed that like the step up, 
like dumbbell yeah. barbell step up was had the greatest um glute in, in this case it was glute max uh, maximus really but there's um obviously three muscles within or yeah oh so this is for maximus yeah this like the glute maximus is a, like the greatest act, muscle activation from like um a step up variation Sure, but they had like a bunch of them. They had lunges. They had different, all different types of like overhead squat, front squat, like sumo deadlift. Like they had a bunch of things. I could send it to you guys if you want. But um, yeah, that'd be awesome. It's just it's people are so quick to just like following these people that look good instead of looking at um, the actual science behind it. There's like a constant battle, and I think an important blend and a balance between pop culture fitness and mm-hmm. scientific applicable mm-hmm. uh, fitness. And it's like trying to find the best way to combine these two. Like if you go super scientific, nobody's going to listen, right? If you mm-hmm. go super pop culture, it's going to, it's going to suck. Like maybe the, the it, you know, it reaches a lot of people and it does a good job of, at explaining things, but the science just isn't there. It's like trying to find like a really good blend of everything and that's where we find ourselves in the Fired Up podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's one, um, I guess you could call him an influencer, but he's not like a an influencer in like kind of the typical douchebaggy way. His name is John Meadows. Yeah. And he's he is just like, he's like the dad of the fitness industry. Like he's so, he is, he's very smart. He actually, he's freaking huge. So you, you know, he's got some time under the iron, he's competitive bodybuilder, all that stuff. Time under the iron. <laughs> Dude, that's what you got to call him. So he, there's a, this one story about him. I think I was listening to like just some bodybuilding podcast and um, he recently started training guy, sister Nino. And <laughs> he said to guy, they're doing like a hack squat or they're doing some variation of a squat um, that guy had never done. And John Meadows was just like, Hey man, I don't know why this works, but it does. And that's kind of one of those things where it's like, you don't always, you don't always have to have a scientific reason as to why something works. Cause sometimes you just, you just know it does. Right. And it, it might work for the general pop or, you know, yeah. whatever, but, um, and also just cause something is proven in, if something is proven in a lab over and over and over again, there's obviously some validity to it. But if, you know, if you say like, okay, uh, dumbbells or bench step ups are the best way to train your glutes. It's like, okay, well, what if someone has some sort of injury? They can't do that, right? Well, then that's yeah. obviously not the best way for them to train their glutes. There's always those little BS nuances or whatever. So you can, you really do have to live in the middle. Like, try, I would say, start by trying something that's proven in scientific literature, see how your body responds to it. And then go from there as opposed to listening to someone who's essentially trying to make money off of you. Yeah. You, you have to find kind of that middle ground and, and the general, obviously it, these studies are for the general population or maybe they're targeted to, um, trained, um, people versus untrained people. But like, mm-hmm. like, a, like you said, like, um, a dumbbell step up or a step up variation might work for one, the general population, but you might, be quad heavy like me like i hate step ups like i feel it all like very knee like in that in that kind of area where the the quad muscles kind of mesh into that knee area i feel it very quad heavy and so i saw the most um i guess you could say glute um growth from 
back squatting, high bar, and um, barbell hip thrust. That's just mm-hmm. how I figured it out. Mm. Right. Or, or take take your one client. Like, so I was obviously scrolling through your Instagram last night. Yeah. That one video of you reverse lunging like 315, <laughs> like for reps. First off, I was like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. I was so, I was just, I was literally turning green with envy. But you think about, okay, you think about that movement. Like, that might be a great movement. But then think about your, your one client you mentioned who has balance issues, right? It's like, well, doing a, a single leg movement for him mm-hmm. while he was facing those issues, obviously that's not going to be optimal, right? He yeah. might need to do maybe, you know, maybe a back squat or maybe even just a, I don't know, like a, a suitcase squat or dumbbell deadlifts or whatever to maintain that stability and that balance until he can work on it, right? So take the studies, but then also think, okay, am I capable of those movements? more than likely people probably are there unless they like try to bitch out. Right. Like, like if someone told me, Hey, walking lunges are the best way to increase your deadlift. Let's just say, let's just say that's true. I I hate doing walking lunges. I'd probably be like, Oh, well that's not really going to work for me, but really I'm just being a big baby. Right. So you have to kind of, you have to know yourself and your body really well while reading those studies to know if it will work for you. And I think most of the time it probably will. Yeah. I would, I hate walking lunges too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I prefer to stay, um, stationary. Um, and the, it's, do you feel a difference between using dumbbells hanging at your side versus a barbell on your back? So I honestly, I, I mostly just do, uh, dumbbell lunges because yeah. the gym I go to right now, there's, it's so cramped yeah. that like if I tried doing like a barbell lunge, I would like, I would hit like four people yeah. and I've also never really been, I don't know. I've never really been in the gym where it's like really easy to do like walking barbell lunges or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, that makes sense. It's kind of hard. Yeah. I mean, do, yeah. I mean, do you, do you feel a difference? Like, do you, do you do both of them consistently or, um, I mean, depends on what the objective is, right? Yeah, it, I mean, for me, lunges are kind of just a, a supplement, like a supplement to my squats. I guess you can say it's just a little bit more uh, variety in the movement. Um, mm-hmm. But for dumbbell, I feel it a lot more. I'm like in in the ass kind of kind of thing. Like I feel like I get a lot more sore with dumbbells versus. Mm-hmm. Um, barbell i guess you could say because it's directly over and when you have dumbbell it can have a tendency to to swing versus a barbell that's like directly over your spine especially Mm -hmm. if you're doing it um on like a back rack versus a front kind of front right right sure man this has been a good episode there's a lot of uh i think we're if we're looking at the pop culture versus the uh scientific side we're definitely Heavy on this uh, science side, yeah, <laughs> and the uh, less on the pop culture for this episode. But I think uh, we we need some of those every now and then. Is to just be more, just get into the applicable concepts and the train sciences of okay, well, what does this look like? And you know, trying to talk about things like neurotyping and you know something as simple as a lunge and you know what makes a big difference and what the uh, uh, focus points are for the different kinds. Um, I think there's great benefit and bonus to that. Um, Cam, do you have any other 
questions to throw at Zach? No, I mean, I'm going through my my questions on my little handy dandy notebook right here, and I mean, we've pretty much hit them all. Oh, you know what? Actually, there there's one more, and it'll, we can just blitz through this real quick. So, Andrew and I did an episode about the biggest mistakes we've made so far. Oh, in, yeah, in, cool. in, in our in our own personal training. Um, what I guess, what are some of yours that you're like <laughs> looking back on? You're like, okay, that wasn't super effective. I kind of wasted yeah. some time on that. Biggest aha moment mistake. <laughs> aha moment mistake. Um, this podcast. <laughs> well, here, give me some time. Uh, give me a couple of seconds to think about. It. You guys, give me yours. Uh, yeah. Oh shoot! Uh, Good. Interviewing. So, Man, dude, you can't just throw me on the spot. Yeah, this don't is not- Andrew. I, Andrew, I, I know yours. I was, I was actually listening to it the other day. Um, oh, you were. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, the, the four, uh, there was like four big ones that me and Andrew really had hit on. So, um, for me, my, one of my biggest ones was for almost all of my like working out life. Um, I have not had a, like a distinct goal. It was kind of, okay, I'll just kind of, I was doing the 10%, right? I was going in just kind of working out, essentially getting a pump and then leaving, right? So not a real distinct goal. Um, another mistake, I think this is one that Andrew said was um, changing objectives far too often. Um, so sure, the, yeah. you never really get good at any one thing. Um, another one was we would let, oh, this is about Andrew's knee. Um letting your minor injuries become major injuries because you don't kind you don't take care of them right away. So it doesn't need to be something like, oh, I exclusively train with a BOSU ball for a year. <laughs> like you know, it can be something just like, it, it really can be whatever, you know. Yeah. It, it needs I exclusively to train with a BOSU ball for yeah. a year. Yeah, let me let me step on a uh unstable object because I'm definitely gonna be I'm going to be on the mound pitching on a BOSU ball. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. I want to become the BOSU master, the BOSU coach. Yeah. Have you guys seen those videos recently of like, I think it's like multiple people just trying this challenge where they put a BOSU ball flat side up, up on a little stepper thing. And then they, they'll put like a barbell on their back and they try jumping up onto it. It's like, I swear, it's like a challenge that's going around and everyone posts their wipeouts and then them getting it. And this is the type three part of me that's like, why would you try that? Because that's so not worth it. Like, if, even if Jim's like, I would need to train for a year before I could, I would even attempt. <laughs> I seriously would. I, no kidding. I would like just try jumping like first, right? I wouldn't go right to the BOSU ball. But, um, but anyways, anyways, Zach, what are, what are, I don't know, maybe one to, no, just a few mistakes that you think you've made that, um, that you can maybe share right. with people. Well, yeah, really quick, I'm going to glaze over my new one because I, I have a new uh, biggest mistake ever, and it was waiting just way too long to to finally throw together the, the, the Garage Gym GHD that Zach helped me put together a couple weeks ago. My credit boy. <laughs> that was, that's my new biggest uh, fitness mistake. There you go. Taking too long to get a six pack. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good one. That's a good one, dude. No. Um, okay, so... Um, for training, I would say like 
if you, this can go also with that 10%, if you go into the gym and your goal is to be sore the next day, there is more harm than benefit with it. There is, there is evidence that shows that soreness can kind of, I guess you could say compromise hypertrophy or strength gains. So me going in and be like, oh, I'm going to do three sets of 12, four sets of 12, everything for chess, and I do four chess exercises. Like, more than likely, if you go in and you do, like, say, you're doing inclined barbell bench press for three sets of 10 to 15, 10 to 20, and then you go do fly, a fly variation, that's enough for your chest, for the general population. Yeah. And if you do that one, two, maybe towards the end of a training, a training block three times a week, you're going to see growth. And mm-hmm. I just think it's, I just think it's crazy for people to be in a gym for two hours training muscle groups, like one muscle group. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's a good one. That's, and then for nutrition, I have it written down actually. Um, do you have it written down? You remind yourself every day. No, I prepared myself. <laughs> oh, he was just like he was like, man, this is just such a huge mistake. I need to tell it's, myself every I, it's day. It's tattooed on my forehead. Yeah, exactly. I have it written in, in my palm right now. No, and then for um, still getting over nutrition. It. I would say biggest mistake, um, not eating, like being scared of uh, fat. Like mac, like fat, like macro, um, huh? Like you, like people need, you, like you need fat hormonally. Um, yeah. And I think that people starting off, they try to do as low as carb as possible, low as fat as possible, and then like as high as protein as possible. Like like 150 like pound person eating 250 grams of protein, and then like 20 grams of fat and 100 grams of carbs. Like like you're not gonna see any. And besides losing weight, probably. I've seen some of those too for, for clients where they, they're coming in. They're like, yeah, Andrew, I'm eating like twice my body weight in protein and I'm not eating like any fat. And I'm like, geez, I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And they're just, you know, often your body's just so used to that. It's like weird probably to, to adjust it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, like common thing. I feel like. Yeah. I guess people just, they just associate protein with muscle building and they don't think of they think like like who like science created fat to give you some sort of challenge to try to avoid it because if you eat anything <laughs> you're done because it. it just tastes so good yeah exactly that's it that's a question are you guys more of a carb or a fat kind of like if you binge like are you i'm gonna eat pizza would i would Dude, test well. both like yeah, both. Like, like, it's like a mixture of the fatty carbs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm talking. I'm talking like greasy carbs. Yeah. <laughs> like shit that's gonna clog my arteries. I love it. Yeah, that's that's how it works, and that's the that's the variety uh, factor for my. I think my whole personality is like I just need a little bit of both yeah. or a lot of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny when people are like. 
like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really get tempted by sweets, but I, I'm really tempted by like burgers and fries and pizza. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why would you choose one over the other? Like both of them have a firm grasp on my will. And like, <laughs> I, they're both, <laughs> like, they're both so good. But like when I'm not being a shithead, um, I definitely focus on the more of like a, a <laughs> yeah, right? once a year when I'm not completely messing up, I, uh, I do focus more on like carbs and protein. And I mean, I, I def okay. Honestly, I eat a, I eat a pretty good amount of steak. So, and they're pretty fatty cuts too. So I'm not really concerned yeah. about not getting any fat. Um, cause that's mainly that's where I'll be getting it from will be from the actual f- like fat that I'm eating. Um, and the most, honestly, like I would say 90% of the carbs, I eh, don't lie to yourself, Cam, probably like 80% of the the carbs I eat are either from rice or sweet potato. So I'm not, I'm not a total shithead. Like, Oh, I'll just eat a a baguette a day. Cause I mean, I don't digest that well anyways, (laughs) but (laughs) But I, I did do a, I did do carnivore for a month and I gotta say, I, like I know some people that are vegetarians strictly because I mean, they they don't they don't really care about any quote unquote like ethical reasons for it, which I could get into. Like just because you're a vegetarian does not mean you're getting your food from an ethical source. Yeah. But when they eat when they eat even chicken, you know, let alone red meat, it literally upsets their stomach, and so. You know, I would never be like, oh, everyone should do the carnivore diet because it's going to be great. It's like, no, some people like just, it's like, don't digest meat. I'm not one of those people. I could like my body, like, Zach, like, I don't know how much of the podcast you've listened to or what Andrew's told you, but my stomach is like kind of messed up a little bit sometimes. But when I, when I did the carnivore diet, I told Zach, I, the-, <laughs> yeah, the first thing he said, so don't mention this. It's a little sensitive topic. <laughs> yeah, don't don't say the c word by Cam. Don't say cheese. Um, but I was, I I like wasn't lactose intolerant on that diet. I I literally ate regular cheddar cheese and a lot of it, and there was no problems. Like I digested the like any like cheese, dairy, meat, all that stuff mm. like perfectly. So that's where it's like that's another thing. Like with influencers, not only is it like workout stuff, but also dietary stuff too, right? Like people are like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do whole 30. I'm going to do paleo. I'm going to do this, that, that. The thing is though, if, if it's not something you can do for the long haul, it's probably not something you should do at all. At all. Like who cares? If, like that's why yeah. I'm not going to do carnivore. Cause yeah, I can do it for four weeks. But one of my favorite things is cooking up an awesome meal with Abby and enjoying it, which oftentimes will involve <laughs> non-animal based products right so that's like another thing to be aware of like i don't know you got to learn what you can do over the course of your entire fitness journey that will actually get your results because then people are like well i gotta eat cookies and pizza all the time like okay no no you don't like (laughs) maybe every once in a while but yeah, like like don't be don't be a robot and like think that it's gonna just be. It's the same thing. Like you guys probably heard this. Like one workout won't make you jacked, and like one cookie won't make you fat. Like it. Like mm-hmm. you have to have some sort of balance. But like, there's no reason for you to. You, you don't need anything. You know, besides water and 
a well-balanced diet. You need some things, but you don't need that. Ain't that the truth. Dude, I've been trying to get jacked for damn near a decade now. So not one workout and definitely not 10,000. Mm-hmm. Have I have have you heard of alligator hormones? Uh, yeah, like <laughs> we, let me like, let me part ways with uh, this new concept. <laughs> Would you like to be part lizard? <laughs> All right, friends, man, that was awesome. Oh, thanks for being on, Zach. Uh, really quick, where can the people find you? Uh, the peoples can find me on Instagram, um, Z dot it's kind of it's hard to understand. It's C O L A N G E L O, um, kind of how it sounds. Um, yeah, Instagram, Facebook. I don't really tweet that much, but yeah. Nice. Uh, and you're currently you are uh, a trainer, right? You're you're an online yeah. trainer. You have your own thing going on. I do online personal training in person, um, depending on the location of the person. Um, in home she will come to you yeah. no matter the distance <laughs> the time commitment the n- no matter oh. dude this guy this guy is like the most servant-hearted man i've ever met in my life <laughs> yeah no i eat the frog um i coach there a couple classes a week and then online personal training while i'm still eat the frog wheaton yep. eat the frog wheaton check us out um nice Sister studio to eat the frog Naperville, uh, little sister. Eventually, you know, once we're up and coming. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. The, the the Naperville team gonna come in hot a <laughs> couple months out, but I mean, yo, we there's gonna be a spot for Wheaton, of course. There's gonna be uh, there's gonna be a little bit of breathing room, but not too much. <laughs> well, Andrew's gonna try to take down the sister studio. <laughs> People will travel far and wide for Andrew's studio in Naperville. <laughs> just, just like competitive in a good way, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. You need that. All right, crew. Yo, thanks for being a part of this podcast. Uh, if you got something out of this podcast, as always, make sure to share it with somebody you know. Uh, if there it comes up in conversation, of course. Tell them that you're listening to the podcast and you got a few good things out of this one. You can also share us on social media that help us out. It helps us out a lot more um, than you think for sure. I mean, the trends that Cam and I have been seeing on you know podcast downloads and listens recently. You know, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for being a part of uh, the community. So be, uh, be sure to do us that favor if you got something out of it. If you did not get something out of this one, then don't do that, right? I mean, we don't deserve it, but. Um, what's the challenge for the week? Do you have anything for the week? Anything uh, to focus on? Reiteration from this two-hour-long conversation that people can uh, really just dive in on this week? I mean, it seems like one one of the big things to focus on is well, I guess I guess two Activation. is is right right after a major setback. You know, I think about Zach with your six months where you were essentially an eighty-year-old man for six months. Getting getting back into it and kind of pushing through, like guys, Zach literally had like a stress fracture, like like on his back. Like most of us are not going through something that's that challenging, and you still found a way to overcome it and get and get back to it. And now you're you know you're obviously still strong. Like you you came back from it, right? So I would say don't don't overestimate your setback, and also don't underestimate what you can do, right? You kind of have to have both of those things. Um, nice. And also just, <laughs> I think it's a, it's, it's a good idea to go through who you're following and and flush out people who truly aren't providing value. Like I get the most value out of people 
like people like Chris Duffin or John Meadows or, you know, Mark Bell, who will, I, I know they're experienced, they're credible, um, and they're actually helpful, right? As opposed to just motivating, yeah. you know? So those would be my two things. Like just, just flush out all the crap and, and focus on what's actually going to benefit you. Cause a lot of people spend a lot of time on Instagram. You might as well be looking at stuff that's of value. Exactly. Don't, nice. don't follow people that, um, just do it for a check. I guess you could say mm-hmm. do it for the yeah. value. Nice. Yeah. All right, crew. Awesome. That's it. Hope you guys have a good week. We'll talk to you later. See ya. Peace.